This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. In 2015, Bella Vista School opened its first fully operational multisensory room to help assist in treating, among other conditions, autism, developmental delays, Alzheimer's, and anxiety. Now the school is taking this initiative one step further by collaborating with Beit Izzy Shapiro, Israel's leading developer and provider of innovative therapies for those with disabilities. To tell me more about this, I'm joined by Alison Scott, the headmistress of Bella Vista, and Elena Lewis, the head of OT. Elena and Alison, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. First, tell me about the Beit Izzy Shapiro. Beit Shapiro is a, a world-leading organization based in Renana in Israel who have done an extraordinary amount of work in terms of uh, access for uh, people with disabilities, various disabilities, innovating on inclusive technology and inclusive practice, uh, representing um, the, the needs of all all humans um, on organizations like the United Nations. Um, and our involvement here in South Africa with them is that we were looking for uh, some research behind an innovation that was called Snoozeland. Um, and they were the lead researchers, and hence, hence the connection in 2015. To what extent has that helped and worked, and to what extent is this new that you're doing? The room, it's important to think about the room as a tool, um, another piece of equipment that we can use within our therapy. Um, and we installed the room back uh, when we did 2014-2015 to try to find a solution for children with overwhelming anxiety. Children who in their, their short um, history had already experienced so much failure and distress that their anxiety was a, a dominant feature. So we, we thought about putting in the room with um, the equipment. It's, it's To think of this room, it's a closed space. Um, there's a lot of lighting and different ambience, maybe some projection, a bubble towers, a ball pond, a hammock, a uh, Maths, different different types of equipment in there, and the idea is that you would be able to um, use the room as a therapist to help modulate uh, the child. And when the child is in a calm state, they might be open to your goals uh, for therapy. And I think that's where Leona can can pick up further on our application of it. Absolutely, I'd love to. So we've got we've got quite a few practitioners who. Uh, conduct their therapy within the room. We've got OTs, we've got speech therapists, we've got remedial therapists, educators, and psychologists. And in order for the room to be successful, we have to be the enabling practitioners. So upon entering the room, the child is able to control all aspects of the room. And the reason for that is to make the environment just right for that child, supporting their neurological arousal state, reducing maladaptive behaviors, and just coming as an OT into that space. You know, I'd, I'd like to shift people's perspective around the room where there is a little bit of a misunderstanding where the room is a therapy, but as Alison said, the room is a therapeutic tool. So as an OT entering the room, I have my own aims and goals from a sensory integration point of view. I'm using that space as a therapeutic tool to reach my aims and my goals, whether they um, 
higher order based where there's visual perceptual skills that need to be involved or fine motor skills or whether it's pure sensory based where I need to support the child on a sensory reactivity level or a sensory perception level. And the same applies with the speech and language therapists and the psychologists. They use that room in order for their their child to be supported on an arousal level so that they can um, either do psychotherapy within the room or do speech and language therapy in the room. And we spend about 20 to 30 minutes in the room. Some children, um, you know, they have to build up their threshold in order to stay longer in the room, whereas other children, they don't want to leave the room because they have that sense, that, that inside that, wow, this room is making me feel just right um, and the more often they spend in that room, the more often they have that sense of that optimal state of arousal. And we have to make sure that that is carried over outside of the room. And how we do that is supporting the child transferring back into the classroom. We've got a calming transitioning room where once we've had the therapy session within the multisensory environment room, there's a transition space where the child is able to put on their shoes and just regroup before they exit out of the room into reality because it can be quite a quite a shock to the system. It's it's similar to if you've been jumping on a trampoline for quite a few minutes and then you get off the trampoline and you still have that sensation that you're bouncing on the ground. So when you leave the, the snoozeland room, you do have that sensation of, I can feel that I've been in that room. Um, I've had... Visitors in the room who feel like they've just gotten off of an airplane or they feel like they're very light in their feet and they're kind of floating. And those are positive reactions. So back to the calming room, they leave the room and then they, they go to their classroom. And, you know, the classroom isn't a multisensory therapeutic environment. It's a multisensory space that the children need to adapt to and habituate to all the, all of the sensory inputs. And now we know, okay, when the child is in the multisensory therapeutic environment room, certain sensory inputs support their optimal state of arousal. How are we going to reinforce that within the classroom and within the home life? And that's where the collaboration takes place with the, the child's team, where it's the parents and the therapists and the teachers and the educators. So we've had instances where parents um, decide to make a, a bubble unit within the the child's room because they know that that really supports them. It calms them down, reduces anxiety, supports their sensory processing disorders. Um, we've had we've had parents who come on board and they add equipment into the child's room at home where there will be either a hammock swing or a deep pressure weighted jacket or even a simple nightlight. And all of these carryovers simulate the sensation, the experience that they feel within the snoozeland room. And they make those connections, which is so beautiful. And we've actually seen over time the ones that have spent considerable sessions within sessions within Elena, it sounds absolutely amazing. And I wonder what more the bait Izzy Shapiro is going to add to this. I think that for us as already previously trained practitioners, it's really important to continue our training around this therapeutic tool. And not only for ourselves, but also to support other 
health professionals or educators who would like to also be a snoozeland practitioner. And then, you know, if we in the position to support their training and to support them on an ongoing basis where we have, um, whether it's online group sessions where you discuss case studies, I think that's quite an important one. And research, research would be great to do within yes. our population of children that we see in the room so that, you know, because Israel's got a considerable amount of research that they've done within, within their space, with their population. I think it's time for us to do the same. And one of the things you are doing is, of course, working with communities um, less less privileged than yours. I've been in a situation where I was lucky enough to um, be part of a development of a sensory space within a an autism school in Soweto called Mahato. And the room that they have in their space was donated by the Kirsty Watts Foundation. And now this is a school far out in Soweto. Um, it's, it's, re, it's, it's resourced on a basic level. There's classrooms, there's jungle gyms, there's toilets, there's teachers. They don't have many therapists. Um, they've got parents who have become teacher facilitators in order to just bring more of the community into the school to support the children because they're all on different levels on the autistic spectrum, many of which are nonverbal. And in this instance, they've got this beautiful room and it supports them in many ways. We've had feedback from the facilitators and the teachers where they use that space as an incredible calm down room for the children, whether they about to have a meltdown, whether they're in a meltdown or even if it is to prevent such meltdowns. And to have that kind of a space is amazing. But what about the other schools that would also need this kind of a space? How is it that they're going to get the advantage of having this room within their on their campus? And I think it comes down to education and, you know, if – if there's a will, there's a way, I believe. And in many instances, if there's a will, it's about sticking your feelers out and seeing how would you be able to, uh, you know, you don't need a giant room with every single piece of equipment. You can have aspects of it that mimics, you know, a basic room in order to support that underprivileged school, for example. But I think that, you know, as a as a privileged community, it's it's very important for us to have that kind of an outreach, and whether it's whether we provide su- support on the side or um, venture out to try and identify donors to to set up a space like that in that kind of a room. In hospital settings, one would have to um, motivate for that space. Red Cross Children's War Memorial Hospital. They have had their room for about two, three years now, and they, they're absolutely loving it. And it took, it took quite some time for them to get used to it and get all the equipment that they need, which is great. You don't, like I said, you don't need to start off with every single piece of equipment. You can start bit by bit in order to create that space, whatever setting that you are in. Alison, did you want to come in? One of the things I'm interested in in the in the context of Beit Izzy and Israel is they've been involved in setting up more than 400 of these rooms across the country, and they're not all in uh, high-end spaces. They, in many and disparate circumstances, and 
for me as a, I'm, I'm not a therapeutic practitioner, I'm not a health professional, I'm an educator, um, to see that it's beyond the fact that there is equipment involved with this, there's also a value base to it that to work in this environment or to work with this way of therapeutic thinking, you value the child or you value the other person because uh, we're talking about children this morning, um, Eliana and I, but it has wonderful application with Alzheimer's across the world. But the fact that when you enter the room um, and you go with other person, you're placing enormous um, centrality on that individual, you see them, you are with them um, and, and respect, I think, of another human being and that longing to see every everybody feel calm and We're getting the message that basically you working with educators, you're bringing out professionals and what you are developing is starting in your school but a benefiting community uh, broadly. Absolutely. And the, and the benefit from what you're doing can be used not only for school children, but for um, people experiencing Alzheimer's, people experiencing just general anxiousness of any age. The same and now that you do. We, we also turning our attention to trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as we come out of the various lockdowns and the COVID as a community, we, we're going to have to deal with trauma in an innovative way and be able to scale up our intervention. And we believe that the room and the methodology could assist us in doing that. If anybody would like to get hold of you or learn more, what should they do? We have an email address that they could write to, ecsensors at bellavistaschool.co.za. We also man our phone lines, 11 Five four five seven, or you could drop onto our website bellavista.org.za and everything is up there. Well, the work that you're doing, and it, it must be quite exciting to be at the cutting edge of this kind of um, educational research. So keep it up. It really is. Thank you. Thank you, Therese. Thank you very much for joining me. That was uh, Alison Scott, the headmistress of Bellavista, and Elena Lewis, the head of OT.